0: Thanks for listening to the Thanks for Visiting podcast, where our mission is to help hosts share their space and live their dream. This episode is sponsored by our free Airbnb Startup Essentials Checklist. Our comprehensive Airbnb Startup Essentials Checklist will take the guesswork out of what you'll need to finally get your Airbnb off the ground. You'll have the confidence to do
1: that thing you've always wanted to do. Get started today sharing your space and living your dream by visiting our website, thanksforvisiting.me, and that's for F-O-R, and signing up for your free Airbnb Startup Essentials Checklist. Again, this is free, so hurry up and get your copy today. Now on to the episode.
2: You're listening to the Thanks for Visiting podcast. We believe hosting with heart is at the core of every successful short-term rental. With Annette's background in business operation and Sarah's extensive hospitality management and interior design experience, this dynamic duo has welcomed more than 2,000 guests from 25 countries, earning them over half a million dollars and garnering them over 650 five-star reviews. Now they're ready to share creative ways for your listing to stand out, to serve your guests and be profitable. Each episode will have knowledgeable guests who bring value to the short-term rental industry, or Annette and Sarah will share stories about their own experiences so you can implement actionable improvements to your own rentals. Whether you're experienced, new, or nervous to start your own short-term rental, we promise you'll feel right at home. Here are your hosts, Annette and Sarah. Hello, listeners. I'm Sarah and I'm Annette Grant,
1: and together we are... Thanks for, for
0: visiting. Before we dive into today's episode, though, we, we've got to do our STR Share Sunday. Yeah, it's think like we have to. It's one of our favorite
1: things. It's our favorite thing to do.
0: Share space, live your dream. So if you're just joining us on the Thanks for Visiting podcast, welcome. Thank you. If you're returning, thank you. Thank you to everyone. The reason that and I started this journey of Thanks for Visiting is because... We believe that if you share your space and whatever whatever your space is, even if it's someone else's space that you are <laughs> racing right. out to share, you know, you're still sharing space so that you can live your dream. And you're also putting the guest first. If you're listening to Thanks for visiting, you know that's very important to us. So we want to share you to everyone else that's tuning in. And so all you have to do is use our hashtag, hashtag STR share Sunday. We say Sunday because if you go onto our thanks for visiting underscore Instagram account, you can see. Our Instagram account, and every Sunday we share someone who listens and uses the hashtag.
1: So it's yeah. very simple to play along. And today we are highlighting. We Dremel. are sharing. I can't do The Honey Bear Cabin. <laughs> cabin. What a sweet name it is, and they are in Big Bear, California, and it is hosted by Jesse and Priscilla. And this cabin. Man, it's super cute. So cozy. I mean, one of these pictures right here the fire is blazing. Well, and let's just you know that I talk
0: about lifestyle photography.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: love on their Instagram, they have a they have a picture. It's a really cute picture of like someone's feet, but they have like uh, booties on and cute a blanket draped over their legs and the fire is in the distance. It's just like, I just want to be there and get it all up in there. Um, but they have an Instagram account and they also on their Instagram account, and instead of it saying like some random Airbnb address, you go to www.thehoneybearcabin.com. So I love that they're branding themselves. Mm-hmm. They're creating a business situation and then it takes them it takes you right to their listing where you can yeah explore what they have to offer six guests two bedrooms three beds one bath and it's just they've got tons of five star reviews just how cozy
1: it is yeah they um one thing that i noticed in their listing that i haven't really seen before that i really liked in one of their photos they actually took a picture of a handwritten Mm. note in their guest book just to prove like, hey, this is the real deal, this is what happens. I thought that was a really really nice touch of uh, you know, just something that did they and they're in the mountains, so they have some great landscape photos there that you can that you can definitely check out. and again, they just give a lot in their listing. they're very transparent in what you should expect when you're staying. They also there.
0: share their Instagram account twice. So at the beginning of their space description, they say, follow us at Instagram at the Honey Bear Cabin for photos and updates. And if you keep scrolling, you read all about the property at the end, it says, and don't forget to sign the guest book and follow us at the Honey Bear Cabin. So I just love that they are directing their their guests to their home Mm -hmm. on the web, which
1: is both Instagram and and their website. So another cool touch in here, it lets them know that, and there are other things to note section, it says a complete getaway guide will be emailed to you shortly before your stay Mm. to ensure your perfect cabin retreat. I think this is genius because you have a lot of guests that will you know, email you or uh, message you on the app immediately after they book and say, oh, what about this? What about this? So that kind of just lets them know, hey, They're going to send me something extremely detailed before my stay. And then, you know, if that doesn't answer the questions, then I can reach out. So I just really like the way that they are preparing their guests there. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, good job, the Honey Bear Cabin. You guys follow them, like them. Support each other. Heart their...
1: uh, Heart their... Listing on Airbnb and heck, if you're going to Big Bear anytime soon, try to stay with them if
0: they if they have any availability. Did you guys know that if you save a property on Airbnb, if you press that heart button, Airbnb gives them like, you know, I call it like the juju, like Mm -hmm. the Airbnb juju. Mm -hmm. It it helps them rise them up on the on the Airbnb algorithm, gives them some love. So if you're checking out what they've done and and learning from your fellow host,
1: um, why don't you go ahead and just heart them, give them a little extra love, and yeah. And thank you, Honey Bear Cabin, for using our hashtag. We appreciate it. If you want to be featured on our hashtag STR Share Sunday, just use the hashtag in your Instagram. Yeah. And we, trust me, we're there. We're, we're, we're saving. We're, yeah, we're yeah, checking we're you out. We're we're going. Uh, there are, we already, we have a, a a backlog, which is a good thing, but it's not that back, that big of a backlog. So start to use it. We'll get you on here soon. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the show. We have a rock
0: star on the show today, and Annette, yes. you you brought him into our life. I did because I'm a maverick. Wait, that is so <laughs> on brand with today's episode. But yes. now you're going to have to share
1: with everyone what that means. Uh, well, I'll let Steve Trover, it's our guest today. Welcome to the show, Steve.
3: Thank you very much.
1: Uh, just give you some background here, I met Steve at the Verbo conference in 2019 and uh, became fast friends. And that's part of my personality. I know my predictive index is something that Steve uh, is a professional. When I say professional, what expert? of. <laughs> Expert,
3: expert, professional, whatever you know, certified uh, partner, yeah. whatever, however you want to report it. So. so
1: Steve is uh, was at the conference, focusing uh, with a uh, consulting with a business and helping them scale. And so that's one of the reasons, just one of the reasons, because he could be on every episode as a guest with us. The reason that we have him on today is we want to talk to him specifically. We have a lot of hosts that are interested in scaling. They're hosting into a full fledged business. And we know that Steve can lend us a ton of expertise on why you should, why you shouldn't. And a lot of it depends on your personality. And so the reason I say where I'm a maverick is right when Steve met me, he kind of called out my predictive index. Not gonna lie, I was super scared to take the test. It's two questions. I had all these trepidations because I'm like, I don't want this guy profiling me. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I was wasn't I scared, Steve. I was like nervous about it. I thought he was like gonna see into my soul. And what's weird, he completely saw into my soul. <laughs> However, I appreciate it because Steve just said this earlier today. There's nothing wrong with self-awareness. And that's what we want to talk to everybody about today is kind of recognizing who they are and where they fit in the short-term rental space and how we can best host our guests and if you should scale or not. So I'm a maverick. And then Steve, Steve also diagnosed, I'm going to say diagnosed Sarah and Sarah is a captain. Yes. Correct. Yes. Right. All right. So and give, 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 could you give our listeners, because they, you know, they know us. Maybe they'll get to know us a little bit better. Tell them, tell them what a maverick is, Steve, just a bullet points, and then what a captain is. And then after you do that, please go into sharing who you are, why <laughs> you're an
0: expert at this, and what the heck the predictive index okay. situation is. And,
1: and when you guys hear this, you'll see that my maverick just came out and Sarah's captain just, <laughs> just came. <laughs>
3: exactly.
1: out. Uh, stay, stay tuned. tuned.
3: So, All right. So Predictive Index is a personality profiling uh, platform that's been around uh, since 1955. It's very, very modern, up-to-date science. And uh, I've been a certified partner for some time now. I've been using it in my businesses for about a decade. And it helps us identify the right people for the right seats. And so uh, Annette's uh, Maverick profile um, is a highly assertive individual. So uh, very self-confident for sure but very, very outgoing and social. In fact, her biggest trait in her profile is her social ability and how overt she is from a social perspective. So very much an extrovert. Um, she's also a very, very fast-paced individual. And uh, so that trait shows up in her variation of things she likes to do. She doesn't like to do repetitive tasks. She needs a lot of variation in her day. Um, she's also very, very flexible with just about anything including the rules so stop signs don't really matter that type of thing you know she's going to be very fast paced and also flexible in how she does things. and so uh, the Maverick profile is one of the strongest growth profiles from a business scaling perspective if we're looking for companies that we want to scale we want to have a maverick on the team Also on uh, the captain profile uh, is a little bit different very similar traits. Sarah is more on the assertive side and a little less social and outgoing uh, than Annette, as you guys probably imagine if you know them. Uh, She's definitely very, very fast-paced, needs a lot of variation as well. Probably the biggest significant difference between the two is she's a lot more detail-oriented. And so she gets into the fine details and is uh, more precise in how she does things and a little less flexible. So... Captain profile is a great CEO profile. We see that a lot in uh, in scaled businesses as well. So the Maverick and the Captain are a dynamic duo for sure. Awesome! Woo-hoo. Uh,
1: yeah, we didn't even know we were going to get into that. But you guys, if you even knew how spot on it it it's <laughs> unbelievable. It, I was just like looking at it, going, "Oh my gosh!" I'll never forget the one day where like I was talking about my husband, who was also a
0: captain that I was like, God, Annette, he's just hes just so intense. And Annette looked at me. She was like, you think Nick is intense?
1: <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And that's
2: like, always stuck with
1: me. Yeah, I'm like, wow, that's interesting. But uh, it was really... The predictive index, you guys, was so eye-opening. It's actually helped me navigate this the start of the year and really understanding um there were there were places in my life and in my uh business where I was struggling and I know now I was struggling because I was fighting against who you are <laughs> who I am. And so Sarah and I, man, we can't thank Steve enough for introducing me. it was a, a side note of this whole story is we were we're there to talk about short-term rentals and we ended up learning so much about ourselves but Within that, it's going to help us grow our business together at Thanks for Visiting. It's going to help us grow our hosting business and just has helped us align together and how we can use our strengths to, you know, go to the moon when they start opening. When when Elon Musk starts opening um, STRs on the moon, on we're going to be, be there. We're going to like be it. with Elon Musk there. So Steve, what
0: what is your... Do you mind sharing what profile you are and then go into um, your background?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, like Annette, I'm a Maverick profile as well. Probably a little bit different in the sense that I'm a higher A, like you are, Sarah, and uh, not as high of a B. So I'm not as socially overt as Sarah, as uh, Annette, but otherwise the same traits. And again, when we when we look across the industry, a lot of times we'll find a lot of Mavericks have started the education role industry. Backed out of 50 scaled CEOs that I have profiled, Probably twenty five or more are Maverick profiles. The rest are and so different reference profiles. So it's interesting that there are that many Mavericks that have gone into it. So, and then as far as you want me to give my background, yeah, question? yeah, cause it's oh, so cool.
0: impressive and it's inspiring. And I know our listeners are going to be enthralled.
3: Yeah, certainly. So I uh, I got into the vacation rental industry in nineteen ninety seven. Um, my mother actually was selling real estate here in the Central Florida market. I'm I'm really selling uh, real estate and people would come into a real estate office wanting to buy a house except they were not the typical buyer they were typically from the uk and they wanted to buy the home to rent out and so she would take them through the process of finding a property then they'd come back and, and ask her for a reference of a management company to manage that property for her and she was, so she went out and tried to research uh, who would be the best for that uh and would refer them out and then they'd come back a year later two years later i um, saying hey sue the the company you referred us to is just not doing a good job for us. And being someone that really wanted to do a good job for our clients, you would try to find somebody and just struggled with that. And so she told me about this. I had started four businesses prior to, to starting my company in the vacation rental space. And she tells me this problem and I'm like, I think I can, how, how hard can that be? And so uh, 23 years later, I can tell you it's actually pretty hard. Um, <laughs> still hard today. Uh, but back then, um, the internet was really just, starting to uh, be a thing, if you will. And uh, so that was interesting. And I was able to do some or not in classified ads. And I would start marketing vacation rentals for other people, the other management companies. So I didn't initially want to get into management. I did that for a couple of years and actually uh, marketed properties all over the state of Florida. We had up and down both coastlines and the Keys. I came into the challenge that I really wanted to control the quality of the product, and so I decided to start managing my own properties and started managing a handful of properties here in the Orlando area. Over the course of 20 years, I scaled that to 350 properties under management. Um, We had three offices here in Orlando, and we had an office down in Captiva Island, Florida, and I acquired a company in San Diego. So we had three different destinations that we were in with the 350 properties at peak. Um, at peak, we were about 100 employees strong. Uh, oh, so my
1: goodness. Cared. That's a lot.
3: Yeah. And uh, it was a lot to to, to deal with, to say grace over. Um, but it was it was rewarding. And I got to learn all facets of the industry, um, gotten involved in a software platform that we built, um, a proprietary system for our own company, which ultimately became a software platform called LiveRes, which over a thousand companies use that software platform today. I was the chief strategy officer for Several years of, uh, as well as running my own companies here in Orlando, um, and then I got into the development side of the business. And so we we initially started working with developers and builders to build what we call purpose-built vacation homes. They actually held that trademark for a lot of years. Um, now a lot of people just use that. Designing them from the ground up, and we would do um, we would actually have focus groups with kids with baby boomers, grandmothers with soccer moms to try and figure out what to build, uh, from a amenities perspective, from a floor plan perspective. And we would specify the homes and design them with an architect, have them built. And that was called purpose built vacation in the homes, which ultimately was a brand called full house. Uh, and, uh, the company that I, I scaled over the 350 properties though, was called all-star and all-star was a, really strong market leader here in the orlando destination and because of that i got involved with the industry associations both on a local state and then ultimately an international level so i was on the board of the central florida property managers association which ultimately became central florida vacation rental managers association florida vacation rental managers association and the vrma i was vice president president of vrma for about five years three years as VP, two years as president. And so scaled that into Europe. Uh, we took it internationally. And now there's something like 700 attendees at the European conference in 2000 plus at the at, in the uh, conference here in the U.S. So it's, it's, that was a really great part of my uh, kind of growth in the industry. And I learned a lot about the different nuances and components of the industry by being involved in the industry associations. I sold my uh, management company about three and a half years ago now. And for the last almost three years, I've been consulting with a company called LeBear & Co. that I formed with uh, my business partner, Courtney. And uh, it's been a fantastic run. And so our, our core focus today is on the people side of the business. And we help vacation rental companies identify, hire, and retain the right people for the right seats. And um, so if somebody's looking to scale and they want to add people, that's what we help them do. We go in and, and solve people issues, if you will. Um, and we do retained recruiting and executive search for companies as well. So uh, right now we're doing four different placements for roles like general manager or business development or for scale vacation rental companies.
1: Yeah. Are, is it time to retire yet? Is that, <laughs> is that coming soon? <laughs> <laughs> you guys know where my head's at now. So listeners, the Key there is this is not a new industry. No. People have been crushing it in this industry with tons of properties for you know twenty plus years. So I think that should give us a ton of confidence that even if you know you're new to hosting and new to let's say a short term rental like Airbnb, this is is an industry that has been around forever. Will be around forever. We might just have to navigate some rules and regulations, things of that nature. Which uh, Steve. Obviously, uh, has had to endure that through his, you know, his career. Also, Steve, do you want to tell our listeners again exactly some of the stats from where you are recording with us today, so they kind of know that you're in the the mecca of short term and vacation rentals?
3: Yeah, certainly. So, obviously, with uh, Walt Disney World being here, there's a a significant demand from a traveler perspective. Uh, We have over 70 million visitors a year to the Central Florida area, and there are in excess of 25,000 vacation rentals within probably 10 10 square miles of where I'm sitting right now. Uh, So they all are are congregated close to Disney World. And there are over 20,000 employees that work in the industry in the county that I'm sitting in. Uh, An economic impact study done several years ago now showed over a billion dollars in economic impact to this county alone, just from vacation rentals. Uh, which is how significant it is. One of my offices, probably about 10 years ago, um, I was in a shopping center and we had seven vacation rental companies in that shopping center. I would walk out my door and look to my right and there'd be a company two doors down and look to my left and there were two doors down. Guests would show up to check in and they'd be confused on which company they booked with. Oh, wow. There are over 500 vacation rental management companies in Central Florida.
1: So host, listen to that too. Don't... Don't be join up with your other hosts. Don't. There's There's room for all of us. Yes, there is, especially when you just gave us those stats there,
0: Uh, Steve. Because so since this the the topic of our episode today is you know scaling your business, it can be scaling from a bedroom in your home to 20 properties or a bedroom in your home to 300 properties. I I think the the number one question on a lot of people's minds are uh, legalities, and I don't want this to be an episode on. Localities throughout the U.S., but can you just give us an insight on on you've been in this industry for a while? So, what it looked like back in the day? What if you if they people live in an area right now that have restrictions? Do you do you think? I know you don't have a crystal ball, but do you think it might change? And maybe your tips for anyone who hasn't started a business yet but wants to what they should look for in the area that they're that they want to start it in, in terms of being able to run their business for longer than a, a year or two.
3: Yeah, certainly. So um, as when I was involved with the uh, trade associations, I obviously would deal with this a lot. And even you know, going back eight, nine, 10 years ago, uh, this was a significant challenge back then. If you go back 20 years, there was almost no uh, regulation to speak of. In fact, it was far more rare to have a regulation of any type than it was to have one in most destinations. Um, Orlando, Uh, Definitely had some, in fact, Orange County, where Orlando is proper in that county, uh, actually had a ban on on short-term rentals and single-family homes. Osceola County, where I sit today, actually embraced it. And so part of what attracted me to this space was that I had rules and guidelines I could abide by. Because I'll tell you what, if you're in an area where there are no rules or guidelines or anything like that today, there's going to be. And so, you know, when I look at and when I was president of the trade association, I would get calls from all over the country and the world from people that had just gotten banned out of existence uh, by some rule or guideline from a municipality. And we would try to help them, obviously, and, and uh, work with them from a lobbying perspective and all those different things. But it was it's a very big challenge. It's even more of a challenge today. So if you're going to set out and do and scale your business, just make sure that you know what those rules are. If there aren't any, no, they're going to come. And you, you got to be an active participant in the process. I'll give you an example. I thought I was in the safest vacation rental place on the planet as it pertains to this. Um, Osceola County had a, uh, has a an ordinance. It has zoning specifically for vacation rental resorts. You have to do it on a, a vacation rental resort, which we have literally 100 in the county, 100 different communities where you can do this. And so I thought, there's no way they're going to ban us out of existence, you know. From the, the county knows, I knew all the commissioners, everybody liked it. It employed twenty thousand people, and they knew that it had a positive impact, and it really didn't hurt residential homes in any way, shape, or form because it was segmented. Um, you, if you were living on a resort, which you could do, uh, you knew it was a resort when you bought there, so it didn't. There was no negative impact from that perspective. Then one day I get a call. Uh, And find out that the state fire marshal had made a declaratory statement uh, that said that all single family homes in the state of Florida had to have a fire sprinkler system if they were doing short term rentals. And it was they were going to do this as of January 1st of the next year. Well, obviously, the vast majority of homeowners don't want to spend $30,000 to retrofit their sprinkler system into their vacation rental homes. Some certainly would have done it, but a lot of them wouldn't have. They probably would have converted to long-term rentals or sold the property or whatever. And it would have been devastating to the state economy. They didn't really know what they were doing when they when they made that declaratory statement how much how impactful that will be. They were just thinking about safety. Well, you know, we were all for safety. Fire is a concern, but in a single-family home, Unlike a big hotel, it's not really that big of a challenge. You can get in and out of it. There's a lot of ingress and egress out of a single-family home, um, so there really wasn't a need for a fire or sprinkler system just because it was a short-term rental. It didn't make sense. And so we hired a lobbyist and uh, away at the time actually uh, put some money into it. We got uh, a lot of us put uh, money into that effort, and we got the lobbyist to overturn that declaratory statement and got you know with the uh, state government. And we also went from there and lobbied further to get really good guidelines for the state of Florida as it pertains to vacation rentals. That said, it's still a challenge. It comes up almost every year. That there's some challenge to, to that, those guidelines and those laws. And so you don't it doesn't matter where you're at in this world. If you're doing short-term rentals or hosting, in some way, shape, or form, there are going to be rules and guidelines coming your way, and they may change. And so you just have to consider that. That's not to scare you away from getting into this business or scaling it you just need to go in eyes wide open make sure you understand what the existing rules are and certainly if you're going to scale in a a location you know i would identify a location that has logical rules and seems like it's going to stay that way but you never know so and you have to be involved and keep your ear to the ground in case something like this comes up and and be and jump into action get in involved with others. You guys said earlier, you know, work with your other hosts. You need to know your competitors and be friendly with them because you need to lock arms like we did in that scenario uh, when something comes up. And I mean I was working directly with a lot of my very direct competitors to be able to get that that law overturned.
0: I mean I think our listeners know this story real quick. You, Annette and I met at city council meetings. Like that's how we met. I, I had just moved to Columbus from New York wanting to build a business in short term rentals. <laughs> And then finding myself in a city council meeting months after moving. right? And it was Ugh. devastating because it's what I want to do. But I was sharing with Steve before we pressed the record button that I feel like when I do consultations with Airbnb host hopefuls, I feel like I talk them out of it more than I talk them into it a lot of times. Because it's not one of those things that you're just going to be able to just, you know, open up business and not have anything to, you know, fight for or worry about or pay attention to because... Anything like that can absolutely change your business and and change the landscape of your area in terms of short-term rental
1: stays. And I think Steve just um, really hit the nail on the head, and and Sarah too, with the lock-arm statement. I was so blown away at how many hosts showed up at the city council meetings. And I mean, I'll let everybody know, I'd never attended a city council meeting in my life, but I was not going to miss missed that. So do it, it, does, it does make a difference. And there were so many hosts. It was like standing room only. And they were all hosts. And there was like one or two people against it. So if you can show that to your representatives. And and to be honest, I think it was the hotel lobbyists were the ones that were really pushing for it in the, the reverse because it's a little bit different than the area that Steve is in. So Steve, with your vast experience someone's, you know, hosting maybe just a room in their house or they're hosting just one one property, but they're like, man, I really, this is profitable. I'm enjoying it, but I want to scale this. I want to like take this to the next level. I actually want to start a business, uh, you know, a short-term rental management, vacation rental management company. I know you kind of did it, you know, you're a maverick, so you did it by the seat of your pants when your mom's like, you know, giving you some leads. Give us some suggestions on scaling, and not only the suggestions, but taking a look at your so that self awareness before you start to scale. And then once you you know it's a fit for you, what are those next steps that you recommend?
0: And if I may, just to really and ask you four questions, I'm going to ask you two more. <laughs> um, when you scale, do you have? Do you think you have to scale to three hundred, or could you scale to fifty and be profitable and happy?
1: Too? Or five? Or
0: well, I mean, I think I think five and ten is something that a lot of people. F- Accidentally find themselves in, but if you want to be have a full time job that's profitable, you're happy. But do you feel like you have to get to like crazy high numbers for it to be something that's worth your while?
3: So to answer that question first, um, as far as you know, what what is the size? You know, size of your know, unit count. I, I like to say does not matter, and what I mean by that is I could have a one bedroom condos under management or ten. Ten bedroom high end vacation homes under management, and I'm probably going to make a lot more money. I'm going to, I'll, I'll back up to say I will make a lot more money with ten, 10 bedrooms. Not every market allows for that, right? So uh, it, it really doesn't come down to unit count. It comes down to how much revenue can that particular unit produce. And so, if I'm going to start a company today in this in this industry, if I went backwards from all the things I learned, is don't don't count units. 350 sounds cool. It's not. It's hard. Okay. Um, 50, really high end, sounds really great to me. If I was going to go into the business again today, that's what I would be focused on. Uh, How many do you need? It's all relative to the market too, because some uh, markets are hyper-seasonal. They only have a 12-week season if it's a vacation rental market. If it's an urban market, it's obviously going to be typically longer than that. But, but not all markets. So it's market-driven. It's the type of properties that you uh, are going after. So really, you, what I would do first, other than understand yourself, and we'll go back to that in a second, is create a projection and use numbers like that. So how much revenue can I produce per unit that I manage? What are my targets? And then build a profit and loss statement projection uh, business model, if you will around what you think that business could look like if you took on X amount of properties and when can you get it to where that's a full-time job and salary associated with that, and it makes sense. Um, and so I, it's there's a lot of modeling that needs to be done um, before you step out on that. And the first thing I did even 20 plus years ago is I created a business plan. Um, you know, I typed up probably back then a five-page business plan, which would be 50 today, I, uh, identifying all the different components and things that I'm going to have to do as I scale it. If you're hosting one property today, you're basically doing everything you've got to do. Now you just got to do it times five and 10 and 50 um, and you're not going to do it at 50 by yourself. And so when I say, you know, you really want to understand who you are, can you grow? Meaning can you sell another owner on having you manage your property? Cause that's the most important thing at the early stage is being able to do that. And, you know, Sarah and Annette, you definitely could do it. You guys have the right profiles for growth. And I just happen to have that. Some people don't. Some people are really, really strong operationally. And I'm sure there's listeners right now that are much better at that than I ever would be. If
0: you're strong operationally, my email address is hi <laughs> <laughs> <visiting>. Me, Sorry.
2: <laughs> exactly,
3: exactly. And if you're strong operationally, I might need you as well. So um, we do recruit, but... but uh, you know, the, the reality is, is some people just are not good at selling, and that's okay. You know, not everybody.
1: Well, is. it's it's not okay if you're trying to scale your business, though. It'll be detrimental. You got to find because, someone. Yeah, you got to find somebody to help you scale and that, that. That's
3: the key, right? So you have a really good um, personality profile for structure and detail and accounting, and all it's all awesome. Got to have it. But you're going to definitely want to have somebody on your team or beside you that can help talk owners into. You know coming into your program, a lot of people think they can sell when they can't. And I, and when I look at scaled vacation rental businesses that are successfully scaling and scale quickly, they always have the right person with the right personality profile at the helm doing that. Um, so don't you know make sure you know what you're missing in that respect. Now, if you're a maverick, I like that you definitely want to have the other piece of it uh, because if you try to scale and you go too quickly and you can do it because you're good in sales. Um, you'll 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 hit a brick wall because you will not have the details covered. You'll be turning over homes. You'll be, you know, booking guests in the wrong date ranges. I mean, all kinds of uh, bad things can happen when you when you go too fast and you don't have the operational skill set. Yeah. So, you know, scaling really comes down to having the right people in the right seats uh, and, with the right plan. So.
1: and I'm going to just second what Steve is saying because even myself when I was. Just you know, with one property owner and adding more. Like I did not have the processes down and it is painful <laughs> to not have those down because that isn't my strong suit. Also, I partnered with Sarah and want to do all co-hosting with her moving forward because I started, I, I, re- I recognize that. Like I'm not going to be able to scale with just my personality type because like there was stuff that Sarah had like, um, she had like these amazing processes for like cleaning apps and like changing door codes and like spreadsheets. And I was like, Oh, like, I'm just really nice to my guests. And like, it's super clean. And that just like, is cool for a while, but then it causes burnout and it's not the way to scale anything. So uh, definitely. And I'll tell you also from just the seats that Sarah and I sit in here in Columbus, Ohio, there are some co-hosting companies, just crushing it, I mean a hundred properties, ninety properties, fifty properties, and you know we don 't have that many, but we take a different approach to it, and so I know that they are that they're mavericks they 're out there they 're getting all of the property owners they can i i 'm just interested to see over time if they have the operations, if they 're going to have the processes, if they 're going to be able to keep that hospitality as high as they need to, if it's going to stay in line with their them being able to sell the, the property owner, are they going to be able to keep their guests happy too? Well, that's
0: my question too, Steve. So how important do you think it is to go above and beyond for your guests within your rentals? Like there are a lot of things I do because I'm a crazy lady, I like to call myself. Like, you know, bedside, we always have phone chargers or I have a little basket of things that so you don't have to go to the pharmacy if you arrive and you forget your toothbrush or, you know, down to like my kitchens are fully stocked. Like you're going to find cheese shredders in most of them, as long as my owners will allow me to get that detailed. Are those things that are, will they make a difference over time? Or do you think guests today really just want a safe, comfortable place to stay? And so if people looking to scale, those are things that they can
1: cut out. Right. Because that cuts into your, that cuts into your profit margin. Your, your so investment. Talk, yeah. Talk to us about how, when you were scaling, how did you... Mm-hmm. how did you balance balance that of like giving a, an excellent guest experience but making your your owners happy because you got to keep your profits um profit margin in place
3: that's a good question well i, I was fanatical about the guest experience oh uh, i like
1: that I, fanatical I why almost, don't you say i'm gonna write that, that word yeah, to yeah. If i'm we're stealing not, that you're, you're not gonna be crazy anymore because that sounds real crazy we're gonna say <laughs> fanatical <laughs> thank you yeah. for we got a new title yeah okay keep the going title. we want to hear how fanatical yeah. you are
3: right and um you know because that's everything. If you can create an amazing guest experience, they do two things. They come back and they send their friends. They go tell everybody about it. People love talking about vacation more than anything. So if you do a good job for them, they're going to talk about it a lot and they're going to talk about it on social media and everywhere else. So um, so we were fanatical about it. Um, we obviously focused on the core components of it. Clean is the hardest part, right? Cleaning is Hardest part of this industry to do effectively, efficiently, as well as um, over and over and over again, and so I really focused on that. And, and my uh, housekeeping director was phenomenal; never missed a clean, and you know the whole time she worked for me. And we we were really focused on that. And then fundamentally, maintaining the homes is also a real challenge, right? And so as you you know, you're posting one or two properties now, and all of a sudden you got ten. Maintaining that becomes a big challenge, and so that—that's those two things right there. If, if you ask me, are the two most important um, guest services that you provide: cleaning and maintenance. Now, before you start working on you know, worrying about what you put in the house, if you don't have that right, you don't even need to put a gift basket in because that's not going to cover the, the problem that you have. So, core focus on those those two components is, is critical. From there, what we did is we started asking the guests. What they wanted, right? And so, if you're not surveying your guests today, I highly recommend it. Obviously, they're 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 doing that on Airbnb or Verbo or wherever you have your properties. They might um, fill out a survey, but I would have your own survey system, and I would ask them how clean the property was, how well it was maintained, those types of things, and then also ask them maybe what was missing, what would you have liked to have seen. And I did this for 20 years, and I read every single post day survey that we ever had. And I'm talking tens of thousands of these. I read. them. You are was,
1: fanatical. I'm going to
3: get a 38 percent response rate to our post day survey.
1: Okay. Wow. Uh, how did you, Steve? How did you distribute that though? Was that something just like um, a pamphlet left behind? Was it digital to help our help our guests or listeners know how to survey their guests?
3: Yeah, it was digital. It was an email that was sent, and it was a it was an online form, and it used NPS Net Promoter Score, which most large corporations use. Um, it's a methodology you can google it and you can set up your own mps survey and that that gave us a score on each component so we had a cleaning score we had a maintenance score and our teams knew what that score was and they were always trying to push that score so as you're scaling you want your teams to look at that and uh, you know initially when we started doing surveying i would get a bad survey for cleaning and i'd go talk to the housekeeping director well I, I set it up to where they saw it in real time, just like I did. And they saw the score go up or down. And they were always pushing for that. When we developed bonus structures, that was was their focus was on that. The bonus was on whatever they were over on that survey. And so we were very, again, very fanatical about that. Then as, as far as like what you put in the house, those amenities, um, they are costly. And one of the things we used to do we to early on is we did this really cool Gift pack, and it was it was awesome. It cost about fifty dollars. You know, we we're renting pretty high end vacation rentals, but I'm looking at my my profit and loss statement, and I'm going, wow we spent a hundred thousand dollars on these these gift packs, and then I would go into a house after after a guest departure, and I'd see that you know that gift pack sitting on the counter, and half of the stuff is still in it, uh, meaning they didn't use it, they didn't want whatever was in there, they wanted some of the things, not others, and so here we are, you know, doing this thing, and you know, we so we decided to go you don't want to talk about fanatical i bought a a vehicle and we called it our mobile concierge vehicle and we literally got disney and universal and all sorts of um, theme parks and other partners to provide stuff to us that we could go meet the guest when right after arrival and we'd show up at their door welcome them to the neighborhood and ask them if they needed anything we'd have beach balls in our hands because we're in florida and they have pool in their backyard so um I thought that was going to be the coolest thing I ever had done. <laughs> Guess what I found out?
1: People didn't want to see don't you. Be bothered. They're like, I'm on vacation. I don't want
0: to
3: yeah. so, see you. I don't
1: yeah. want the beach ball
0: boy here. I, yeah. know I was going to say <laughs> if you're <were laughs> going to tell us that they loved him, like, listen, if you're in any place like Columbus, Ohio, and their business travels, they want nothing to do with
3: you. <laughs> exactly. So, so you know, you you, know, you try things and they don't. Yeah.
0: No. Absolutely.
3: But we did get really good feedback on what they did want in in the homes, and so we tailored our packages, if you will, around that. And it's going to be different for every, you know, all the listeners mm-hmm. depending on their market, right? If they're urban versus vacation, whatever. Um, so you definitely uh, want to ask the guests what they want; they will tell you.
1: And 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 I think what Steve mentioned there, it does depend on the nightly stay, the nightly rate, I would say, should dictate the amount of, you know, extra amenities or a gift, you know, that kind of, if you're listening to this, don't feel like you have to use, you know, if you're only, you know, a hundred bucks a night or something like that, you don't have to give a gift gift, um, basket to every single person. You know, there's, there's differences there, and there, but there are little things that you can do that still are welcoming and have that, um, you know, over deliver for your, your guests.
0: Head to our website, listeners. We have a checklist, and at the the last page of our checklist is our little forgot something basket. And I think it's a good, you know, and I've really honed it in the past few years. A lot of things are reusable. So, like I said, multi phone chargers. People in the summertime, I provide um aloe vera gel gel in our forgot something basket, and. People are like, I can't believe you thought about... It. You know what I mean? Just things that aren't expensive. That probably cost us, what, like three bucks? And um, you know, when people use it, it's great. When they don't, they just like seeing that something like that it, thoughtful is there. So there are things you can do that aren't consumable that show your guests that you care but are still kind of in line with your budget. But I love that you said the guest experience, you're fanatical about it. And it sounds like it, it mattered because then word of mouth helped you scale your business.
3: Well, so many businesses in this area, as well as almost every destination were super reliant on OTAs even back then. So VRBO, uh, and all the listing sites, we weren't. In fact, we didn't list on those sites for almost the entire time we existed, and that's because we created our own brands. Steve, we tell tell our
1: listeners what an OTA is, though, because I was not familiar with that term until recently. Yeah. Especially if they're hosting one spot, they won't know what that is. So, can you I, tell what that is? I
3: apologize for using a TLA. Do you know what a TLA is? No
1: terminology language. I don't know. <laughs> what is it?
3: Really? Three-letter acronym.
1: Oh, oh that's <laughs> Yeah, that, don't, don't use your TLA's on us. Okay, yeah, so, don't TLA me. <laughs>
3: uh, what's, I, I've resisted a, several of them. That one just came out. okay. Start. Um, so online travel agency is what OTA mm. stands for. Generally, they're, they're talking about Expedia. And Priceline and the ones that are in the hotel space when they say OTA now in our industry you're starting to hear people attribute that to Airbnb and VRBO.
1: And I'm I'm going to put this out there. It might be ruffle some feathers, but I always feel like people have um, when I stay at a hotel they say OTA with like a negative connotation, like oh you booked on an OTA, and I'm like excuse me, like I didn't know that like I would be treated different because I booked on an OTA, but. Is that is the consensus there, Steve? That when someone books on an OTA, like obviously their hotel or their vacation rental isn't getting maximum profit, so that's where that rub comes in a little bit of that attitude.
3: Yeah, and I mean, the front desk uh, people at a hotel have to deal with all of the ah,
1: uh, it's more work for them. I never thought about that.
3: Sure. Oh. If you want to make a change to your reservation, it's just it's a real hassle for them, so they have a negative connotation. Oh. It's not really. You know, they don't really care about the money side of it because they don't own the hotel. It's really the hassles that it it sometimes produces. Ah, okay. Gotcha. So
0: for our small in smaller operations listening in, um, one thing I want to go back to is surveying your guests and how Steve did it electronically. And you can do it electronically if you're using some management software, but if you're not there yet, all good. You can print off a card. That it has a survey that your cleaning team can pick up for you, put in your supply closet. If you're doing your own turnovers, you can go pick it up at the end and, and do it manually for now. But collect that data now and ask for their email address so that you can market to them moving forward. And and no, you know if you feel like you're behind, start today, start next week, put something in place that so you can start doing that. But just I didn't want people to get you know overwhelmed by that digital aspect um, of of collecting
1: data. Yeah, no, it can be something that you print out on your computer, just design it and ask them a few questions. Right. I think that's a really great way to do to do that. Okay. Surveying
3: so you, survey, yeah, what's, survey is a, a really inexpensive oh. way to do that as well. On the, on
1: right. Survey. Right. Right. So Steve, you obviously didn't start, you know, you didn't go to 350 vacation rentals in overnight. You scaled slowly, but what was the tipping point point? what was it? Where did you recognize, okay, this is going to be a business for me? Like, how can our listeners like? Where do they know they need to start? What's that tipping point where they need to say, "Okay, I'm not just hosting one or two places. This is going to tip into a full fledged business."
3: Yeah, I, I think for me, um, on the management side. So you remember, I I started on the on the booking side meaning i was actually marketing for other management companies and we we created a pretty sizable business before we actually started to manage properties which is an interesting concept so theoretically you could market for owners who then do the operations initially and it might be a, a way to get into the business without having to do everything right out of the gates um for me from a management perspective i'd say when we got to about 50 properties under management we were starting to to do a significant amount of business from a management perspective and that again the number doesn't really matter because it comes down to the type of properties, how much revenue you can generate from those properties. Um, so I, in my experience of 50, that number may not be relevant to somebody who's got a, a lower price point property from a margin perspective or, or, or a higher one, so somebody with ten properties could potentially produce more than somebody with fifty, if they're you know oceanfront properties at some uh, high-end destination. So it just it depends on the, the t- you know what you can generate revenue-wise that matters from a scale perspective. But definitely for fifty, and I had probably ten employees at that point, so starting to to scale.
0: So good. Any so what else, do you Have because we don't know what we don't know. We're not. We're not above 50 yet. So, what else do you think is important for our listeners to understand if their goal is to scale this year or down the road?
3: Yeah. So, a, a lot of hosts I know um, are 100% reliant on, on the OTAs now, I can say that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in order to create a real business, in my opinion, you need to have your own brand. So, you need to come up with the name of the company and have a website with a booking engine of your own. Because the ultimate goal is to get them from the OTAs the first time and then migrate them to your website the second time. And so that email database you're creating, that's what you email them is specials or new properties that you're taking out under management, directing them not to Verbo and Airbnb, but to your website. So your own marketing efforts, your own branding is really important um, to produce early on. That's going to be important to owners as well that you have that. Because if you just say, hey, I'll, I'll manage your, your Verbo and Airbnb, yeah, that's certainly attractive. But if they, if they think that you're doing more than that and you can show them that evidence, they're more likely to sign with you. You obviously you know, pretty management agreement. And um, so having a very well-thought-out, well-structured agreement with the individual owner, um, telling them what you know exactly you're going to provide from a services perspective, Um, how much what's your business model look like how much are you going to charge is it is there a fee per booking is it a percentage of revenue generally speaking it's a commission structure so you got to really think through that business model probably the single most important thing in my opinion when you're building that business plan is getting that model as close to right as early as you can because you got to you got to provide a model that Tracks owners, but also makes you money. Um, you also want to cover yourself from a liability perspective. Some people start managing other people's properties and don't realize they need a liability uh, policy uh, because right now, you, know, you might be covered by your homeowner's insurance policy as an individual host. As soon as you start managing for others, you can get a lot of trouble in a real hurry if somebody gets hurt in a property that you're managing and you don't have coverage. Um, I would also ask any homeowner that you manage for to have you added to your, your company added to their liability policy, you know, as a, a, a add on coverage, even if you have your own liability to their home, uh, the homeowner's insurance. So there's all these things and I could probably go on for days um, about things to consider. And so with all that said, you know, knowing who you are, do you want to get into this? Because there are a lot of details and a lot of things that you have to cover. And you know, I ask people when when they want to get into this business or, frankly, any business, um, I ask them why do you want to do it. And a lot of times, well, was just, I just I've worked for somebody my whole life, and I really want to be my own boss. Why do you want to be your own boss? And they're like, well, I'll have more flexibility. <laughs> <they> actually, no, <laughs> it's the
0: opposite. You're who you serve is your boss, and I don't care if that's an online audience. I don't care if it's a person in a home or that person on the other side of a counter. Yeah.
3: Well, and you'll also be the toughest boss you ever had, right? Or you won't be your own boss very long. I can. Do that. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> yes.
3: But, um, um, is it rewarding? Yes. So I don't want um, right. to you know, dissuade people from doing it. It's just you got to know what you're getting into.
1: No, keep it real. You got to keep it real with them.
0: Sure. Uh, yeah. Real quick, if 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 hosting, if running their own business in in this regard isn't in their personality, now that they're listening to the episode and they're seeing how much you know, of a, of a thing it is. What are some other areas listeners can get involved in in the short term rental industry that are rewarding? What are people looking for to hire on their teams that maybe our listener could get involved in to to really scratch the itch of, of serving travelers and being a part of this industry?
3: Absolutely. So this is a phenomenal industry, and it's so uh, amazing what's happening in it right now as it pertains to this. Meaning you can pretty much go down every any path you want in this industry reservations marketing accounting uh, maintenance housekeeping you know management of all of those different components of the industry you could work for a, a verbo or airbnb or hundreds of different companies that are in the space uh, you you can pretty much do anything you want from a uh, job perspective if you don't want to start your own business. And it might be a great way to decide whether you want to then ultimately start your own business is to go to work for a management company, get a feel for it, what you like and what you're passionate about before you jump in. Um, so, so, And there's unbelievable amounts of opportunity out there because uh, so many of these companies are growing and scaling themselves that you can get involved in it. And business development, helping the company grow their own inventory. You can do that. There's um, you know all forms of marketing. Uh, all components of digital marketing are very important to these companies. And so everybody's looking for great people. There are 0.8 applicants for every open position in the United States right now. It's the lowest it's ever been. So if you want a job in this space, we can find you one. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, And
1: that's a a great segue. I'm going to make a a side note. Hey, if you want to be a host and own your own properties... Go work for another company too. Get that W-2. Save your money. Buy properties while you're learning the business. And then you can have... Um, when you won't have your W-2 to prove your income, it'll be a little bit... So dicier. you're getting paid to <laughs> Yeah, getting yourself. paid to educate. But Steve, you know a ton of people hiring in the space if they're not wanting to go at it on their own. Where can our listeners find you? Because I know that you're listing uh, job openings pretty often on LinkedIn. So can you tell our listeners where they can find you after this episode?
3: Yeah, certainly. Just go on LinkedIn and put in my name, Steve Trover, T-R-O-V as in Victor, E-R. And you'll find me very quickly. And I'd love to connect with anybody who would like to. Um, I post a lot on this subject as far as um, job openings at different uh, clients of mine. Uh, and, and definitely am interested in anybody who's interested in getting into the industry, reaching out to me, and I will do my best to help uh, help them identify what what would be good for them.
0: Before we say goodbye, is there anything we didn't ask you that you wanted to share with our listeners on this topic, or do you think we did a pretty good job?
3: I think you did a pretty good job. I, you know, um, pretty good I, I, job. I, hey. a reasonable job for a Maverick and a captain. Always um, room
0: for improvement. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there are. Um, no, I, I think we covered a lot of ground. Obviously, we could talk for days. Um, so I think the, the key thing, if you're getting into this and you want to, uh, you know, scale your business, uh, have a plan. You know, and build a business plan. Google that. Right, um, there's all sorts of templates and things you can you can do to use online to help you get there. But make sure you go in eyes wide open in a destination or in a, an area that. allow for it um make sure you have your business model right all these things that we covered are very very important but just have that plan and and then execute and you, you know it is a rewarding thing uh my favorite part of this business is is the guest you know when when the guest has a really great experience and you get to read about it or hear from them it's just so much fun and i did it for a long year you know millions of people literally went through our homes and it it was just so rewarding i absolutely love that part of it and so if you're passionate about that and you got some business acumen you could have a real great time scaling business in this industry
0: steve thank you so much for your knowledge and your time and i know that i I really hope that um listeners you take steve up on his offer to reach out should you be looking for a way to to grow yourself in this business Mm -hmm. For sure. All right, Thank you. Steve. All right. Well, I am Sarah Karakayan. <laughs> I'm Annette Grant, and together we are Thanks, Thanks for, for visiting. visiting. We will chat with you next week.
2: Thanks for listening to the Thanks for Visiting podcast. Head on over to the show notes for this episode at thanksforvisiting.me. If you're looking to take your listing to the next level and show your guests how much you care, be sure to check out our line of thoughtful hosting products from hosting checklists to custom mugs to toilet paper stickers, we've got you covered. And if you love our show, remember, sharing is caring. Please hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Awesome reviews help us bring you awesome content. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to hanging out with you next week. Thanks for visiting.